Before we begin, I have some prayer requests and some prayer updates. Uh, the first is Bob. We've been praying for Bob for some time now, and um, he had his biopsy this past week and got the results Friday. He has stage two follicular lymphoma. Um, he will be undergoing cancer treatment for the next six months, and then a reevaluation will be done. And they're hoping that um, this six-month treatment will put it in remission. They said it is a very slow moving and growing cancer, so that's definitely a plus. Um, he gets a port put in on July 14th and begins treatment on July 18th. He'll be receiving two types of cancer drugs. Rituxan he'll receive once a week in Bindamustine, he'll receive twice a week. Now, some might say, well, you know, we, we were praying for Bob and, you know, this wasn't the outcome we wanted. And no, no, it was not the outcome we wanted. But we have to keep in mind the divine's will and our what we want are two different things. And some might look at this as, well, our prayers were not answered. And I say to the contrary, our prayers have been answered because this is a treatable form of cancer and it's only at a stage two which can definitely be reversed and put in remission so we definitely i see this definitely as a miracle and a victory for prayer uh, that the divine has heard our prayers and is granting our prayers and so I ask that we please keep Bob in our prayers. I'll be mentioning him every week for quite some time. So um, please mark him on your prayer calendars. Um, put it in ink because it's going to be a while. The next is my mother, Elaine. Uh, she just recently went back to her doctor for her breathing and lung issues. And he said she is doing better and that uh, she does not have to come back for three more months. So that's definitely really good. We need to keep her in our prayers that uh, she continues to heal and recover. This is a, a long issue she has dealt with for years. And, you know, we pray for a miracle that she is cured and it goes completely away. So we will keep that going. The next is Kathy. I have asked for Kat prayers for Kathy in the past. Um, I'm trying... <laughs> My wife and I are trying like mad to get her to listen to the show, uh, but she's she's very uh, inward, very shy, uh, withdrawn, and we're working on on that and, and trying to get Kathy to listen to the show because we know it would help her greatly. She's had just infinite, um, almost appears to be, it feels like infinite health issues and surgeries. And I mean, I mentioned her recently. She had a soldier, uh, so, soldier, a shoulder uh, replacement and I mean a hip replacement and she's just she's a cancer survivor so yeah she's a show a, sh a soldier see now that I want to say soldier I couldn't say it <laughs> it's, it's nothing like mush mouth uh, so um, anyway Kathy uh, seen her doctor uh, earlier this week she had to have a CT scan done of her chest to see uh, where she is on her uh, cancer and she's cancer free. So that is definitely incredible and awesome. And we definitely want to keep Kathy in our prayers because she, like I said, she has just infinite things going on with her health. 
Um, and, and now it's affecting her mentally and emotionally as well and spiritually because she's just so downtrodden. And since she's confined to her home, she's, you know, not well enough to go out and do too much on her own. So let's please keep her in our prayers. Next, of course, Megan, Molly and Gwen are still in need of our prayers. Uh, Megan has not heard anything yet on the townhome that they are wanting to move into. Um, let's please keep that in our prayers that this comes to be or comes to fruition because it would not only be the ultimate place for them to live, but it would also be a safe place for them. And finally, last, but certainly not least, general prayers. I always ask for our wonderful and amazing friends and beings, Emma and Jean. Not related, but they are two amazing beings that do so much good for everyone they come into contact with. And they are great um, ambassadors of their faith. They share their faith with everyone that they possibly can. And, you know, Jean even goes as far as I've said this before, is that every time she sees my wife, she's always got prayer cards or uh, sacred medals or something that she gives us. And, and she's just uh, both of these women are just amazing blessings to humanity and to our world. So let's please keep them in our thoughts and in our prayers. That they have the best of health, peace and love and that they live very, very long. I know Emma's in her 80s, but let's pray she lives very, very long and has great health so they can be around as long as possible to continue to help as many as possible. Thank you all so very much. As a matter of fact, infinite thanks, blessings, and love for all of your prayers. I can't thank all of you prayer warriors enough for prayers for these people that we ask for each week and for all beings around the world. And if you are in need of prayers, please, please, please don't hesitate to contact me. There's always information at the end of every show on how to contact me and request prayers. I love to pray, and people that listen to the show love to pray. So let us pray for you. Enjoy the show. And this just in one more huge prayer request, if I could, everyone. My wife, Haven, was taken to the hospital yesterday afternoon. Her blood pressure at work went up to 190 over 100. And she called the paramedics and they took her to the hospital. And with uh, nitroglycerin and uh Baby aspirins, they were able to start to get her blood pressure down. But it's still like in the 150s, like low 160s. Um, so they have put her on a blood pressure medicine and they kept her overnight. So we'll see how things are this morning. Um, I go see her at 8 a.m. Eastern time to check on her and see about uh, possibly her coming home today. So if you all could please, please, please keep Haven in your prayers um, that, you know, this medication helps and lowers her blood pressure and that she's able to come home today. Uh, as you can only imagine, she's very scared and, you know, she's not used to being away from home. And, you know, those of us who have been in the hospital can testify how uh, scary and lonely it can be. So please, please, please keep Haven 
in your heart and in your prayers. And again, thank you all. Infinite thanks so very much. And again, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe that the divine works through people to help us every day. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Hello, my name is Angel and I'll be your host as we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. Hello and welcome to your oasis in the desert, a place where you can catch your breath, recharge, and heal. If you're new to the show, thank you very much for finding us. It is my deepest hope and prayer that you find everything you're looking for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast here and more. And if you're returning, infinite thanks, blessings, and love for all of your support. Okay, so this week, as I promised last week, um, after the Hecate or during the Hecate episode, that we would be talking about angels coming soon, either this week or the following week. So why not make it this week? So today's show is going to kind of be a who's who in angeldom. <laughs> That's a word. I guess it is. I just said it. Uh, or, a, you know, uh, an angel 101 kind of uh, thing. Um, it's impossible, literally impossible to um, go through all of the angels because they're infinite. Um, in my studies of angels over the years, I have learned that there are more angels than there are humans. So that if you're doing the math at home, that's that's quite a bit. That's quite a lot. Um, and the thing with angels is, is that it can be as easy as you want um, or it can be as complex as you want I guess as, as most things with humans go we can either make it easy or we can make it complex uh, so I'm gonna kind of do a, a, a middle path thing here today and kind of give you guys an overview of angels and then you can always go off on your own which I always always want to encourage you all to do that don't let the buck stop here um, at the show and, and don't just take my word for what is being shared go out and do some more investigating you know dig in deep and, and look into some things on your own and because you know I'm not you and I don't know exactly what you're looking for exactly so maybe I do cover it in the show which I hope and pray I do uh, maybe I cover more which I hope and pray I do but sometimes maybe I don't. Sometimes I miss the mark and I'm, you know, I don't cover everything that you or maybe there's questions you come up that you don't want to ask. But um, it's something you can check out on your own, either Google or get a book or go to the library. I don't think people do that that much anymore, but you should check out your local library. There's a wealth of information and wisdom there. So there are angels literally in every religion and every faith has some type of angel or angels in some way shape and or form so today we're just going to kind of uh, frame it around the christian and jewish religions and beliefs 
Um, so the information we'll be sharing today is mainly from them. But again, it, the information on angels is infinite and it's actually, you know, very mystical. It's or as they say in the Orthodox Catholic tradition, it's a mystery. Therefore, they mean it's beyond words and it's experiential. It's something that you can't describe. Um, if you ask people to describe an angel, they everybody has a different view or a different image in their mind. Those who have actually experienced um, angelic visits or visitations, um, they have a different too. I, I, I firmly believe that an angel will take whatever shape or form that can relate to you. Um, whatever shape or form that is appeasing and peaceful to you. You know, they're not going to, you know, take the form of a, you know, 350 pound uh, linebacker with an axe chasing you. That's, that's not very comforting and not very welcoming. Uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to appear to you whether visually, physically, or in your heart, in mind, um, in whatever form that you, your mind and your heart can accept, welcome without question. Because we hear a lot of times um, where angels interact is that they take human form a lot of times. So, you know, you hear these stories all the time. I was broken down on the roadside in the middle of you know, nowhere County. And this person pulled up behind me and said very little, but was very nice and polite and made me feel instantly at peace and ease and changed my tire or fixed my car. And then before I could turn around and thank them, they were gone. You know, you hear these stories all the time. And I firmly believe that these are angels, but I also firmly believe that angels can come in human form and stay in human form to accomplish certain goals or tasks. They can be doctors. They can be, you know, police officers. They can be firemen. They can or fire people, I should say. Um, they could be anyone. They could be priests. They could be monks. They could be nuns. They could be you. They could be me. You know, we don't know. And, you know, there's certain telltale signs of angels. And we're going to explore a little bit of that today as we go through. So I have two articles here that I'm going to share uh, and elaborate on as we go, as I always do. <laughs> uh, but of course, as always, links to these articles will be in the show notes and show description. So be sure to check those out if you want to you know, have a copy for yourself um, or if you want to study it even further. Christianity values the powerful spiritual beings called angels who love God and serve people on divine assignments. Here's a look at the Christian angel choirs on the pseudo Dionysius angelic hierarchy, the world's most commonly used system of organizing angels. Yeah, leave it to humans. <laughs> to try to organize the infinite and try to organize in a relative way that which is on an ultimate realm of reality. <laughs> okay. 
So here is the beginning of the hierarchy. How many angels are there, the article asks. The Bible says that a tremendous amount of angels exist, more than people can count. In Hebrews 12, 22, the Bible describes an innumerable company of angels in heaven. It can be overwhelming to think about so many angels unless you think in terms of how God has organized them, or I should say how, <laughs> how humans have organized them. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam have all developed hierarchies of angels. In Christianity, theologian Pseudo-Dionysius the Aeropagite studied what the Bible says about angels and then published an angelic hierarchy in his book, The Celestial Hierarchy in 500 AD. And if that wasn't good enough, <laughs> the theologian St. Thomas Aquinas gave additional details in his book, Sumo Theologica in 1274. Imagine that St. Thomas Aquinas giving his opinion on something. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, if you if you hinted some sarcasm there, yeah, I'm not a, a, a an Aquinas fan at all, and we'll share in, in in episodes coming up about him. And if you want to learn more, you can go check out uh, Father Mike Cantor's uh, podcast, uh, Logic in the Bible. He talks uh, some about Aquinas and the the things Aquinas is responsible for. Uh, so these two beings, human beings, describe three spheres of angels consisting of nine choirs with those closest to God in the inner sphere moving outward towards those angels who are the closest to human beings. So again, keep in mind, as I have sarcastically pointed out, uh, that this, this is a human um, concept. These, these are human ideas. These are human theories of an angelic hierarchy now is this factor true yeah, it's it's up to you you know it's it's all about how uh, you butter your bread do you take it to the edge or do you just take it you know almost to the edge how, how do you do you like a lot of butter a little bit uh, do you spray butter see there's infinite ways infinite ways and everybody's journey is personal um, so However you believe in angels, this is what I guess I'm trying to say, you know, since I keep going round and round and round. Um, what I'm trying to say is there's no wrong way to view angels, to pray to angels, to look at angels, to understand angels. There's no way, no wrong way. So the word, I guess we should do it just a, a very quick definition. The word angel or angelus means messenger or messenger of God. So the first sphere, first choir, are the seraphim. The seraphim angels are in charge of guarding God's throne in heaven. Now, some of you might scratch your head and say, what is there to guard? How can you guard that which is all? But anyway, now, remember, these are human descriptions. These aren't from the divine. You know, you could say that maybe um, Dionysius and Aquinas had, you know, received an email or voicemail from the divine giving them this information. But I want you to keep in mind that this is man-made, man-created, man theory. 
So the seraphim guard God's throne in heaven and they surround it there, constantly praising God. In the Bible, the prophet Isaiah describes a vision he had of seraphim angels in heaven calling out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And that's Isaiah 6, 3. The seraphim, meaning burning ones, are lit from within with brilliant light that manifests their passionate love for God or the divine or whatever you want to label that which can't be labeled. One of their most famous members, Lucifer, whose name means light bearer, was closest to God and known for his bright light, but fell from heaven and became a demon, also known as Satan, when he decided to try to wrest God's power for himself and rebelled. In Luke 10:18 of the Bible, Jesus Christ describes Lucifer's fall from heaven as looking like lightning. Since Lucifer's fall, Christians consider the angel Michael to be the most powerful angel. Now, in future shows, we're going to talk about Lucifer because, believe it or not, there are other stories considering, uh, you know, about Lucifer and about his origin and about the fall and the great battle in the heavens and all that. There's so many things that we just don't understand or know about with the Bible because so many of us, especially I know my generation and older, were raised and taught by our faith to never, ever question. If you question, that shows a lack of faith and that is a mortal sin. Well, as we're getting older and as we're realizing, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, it's just the opposite of the truth. You should question. You should ask. You should investigate. You should study your faith. You should study other faiths. How can you possibly relate to anyone else if you don't even know your own faith? And that's one thing I personally am learning here as the show goes of all of these people that I've never, ever heard about before. And I've talked to people who listen to the show who were born and raised, you know, again, not picking on Roman Catholics, but they were born and raised Roman Catholic and went through the whole schooling of uh, a Roman Catholic school, private school. And they have no idea. They were never taught any of these things about any of these saints. And some of these saints we have covered have been huge saints within the Roman Catholic Church, so much so that they're, they're actually quoted in the catechism. Um, but yet we don't know about them. So, you know, we need to first learn our faith and then we need to start exploring and learning other people's faith. Next, we have the first sphere, second choir, the cherubim. And please don't get these cherubim confused with cherubs. They're completely different. They're not little babies with angel wings on them. The cherubim angels protect God's glory, and they also keep records of what happens in the universe. They are known for their wisdom. Although cherubs are often portrayed in modern art as cute babies sporting tiny wings and big smiles, art from earlier eras depicts the cherubs as imposing creatures with four faces and four wings 
that are completely covered with eyes. I guess kind of like the moth, the moth man, huh? I, I don't know. I guess I'd prefer the cute babies over the moth man any day. <laughs> the Bible describes cherubim on a divine mission to guard the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, they did a pretty good job of that, didn't they? From humans who had fallen into sin. Okay, so after the fact. After he, God, drove man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And that's in Genesis 3:24. To which I have to say, if they already had partaken of the tree of life, the tree of wisdom, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then why would there be a need to protect it from them coming back? after you've kicked them out i don't i don't know again this is uh based on christian uh beliefs and philosophies and myths as you could call them and also the bible so um you know take that for what it is but other faiths believe other things and you know we'll probably get into that uh some shows down the pike a little bit next we have the first sphere third choir which is thrones Throne angels are known for their concern for God's justice. They often work to the right, excuse me, to right wrongs in our fallen world. The Bible mentions the thrones angelic rank as well as the principalities and dominions in Colossians 1.16. It says, for by him, Jesus Christ, were all things created and that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So next we have the, now we're into the second sphere, the second sphere, fourth choir dominions. Members of the dominion angelic choir regulate the other angels and supervise how they perform their God-given duties. Dominions also often act as channels of mercy for God's love to flow from him to others in the universe. Next is Second Sphere, Fifth Choir, Virtues. Virtues work to encourage human beings to strengthen their faith in God, such as by inspiring people and helping them grow in holiness. They often visit earth to perform miracles that God has empowered them to perform in response to people's prayers. Virtues also watch over the natural world God has created on earth. So I guess this podcast is hosted by virtues. <laughs> At least we pray that it is. Huh? Next, we have Second Sphere, Sixth Choir, Powers. Members of the Powers Choir engage in spiritual warfare against demons. They also help human beings overcome the temptation to sin and giving them the courage they need to choose good over evil. We now move to the third sphere, seventh choir, principalities. The principality angels encourage people to pray and practice spiritual disciplines that will help them grow closer to God. They work to educate people in the arts and sciences, communicating, inspiring ideas in response to people's prayers. Principalities also oversee the various nations on earth and help deliver wisdom 
to national leaders as they face decisions about how best to govern people. Next we have Third Sphere, Eighth Choir, the Archangels. The meaning of this choir's name is distinct from the others, other use of the word archangels. While many people think of archangels as the highest ranking angels in heaven, and Christians recognize some famous ones such as Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, uh, the angelic choir, this angelic choir is made up of angels who mainly focus on the task of delivering God's messages to humans. The name Archangel is from the Greek word Arch, which means ruler, and Angelus, which means messenger. Hence, the name of this choir. Some of the other higher-ranked angels do participate in delivering divine messages to people. In the last is the third sphere, ninth choir angels, guardian angels to be exact, are members of this choir, which is closest to humans. They protect, guide, and pray for people in all aspects of human life. Now, uh, Christianity believes that we all have guardian angels. Um, some of us have multiple guardian angels. Uh, other faiths also believe in guardian angels and that we have one if not multiple uh, guardian angels as well. I mean, I personally believe that, yes, we were born with a guardian angel or guardian angels, uh, depending on who we uh, were connected with before we came into this lifetime. And we'll do a show on this in the future uh, because it's very interesting stuff. Um, so I believe we have that uh, heart connection, that soul connection, also known as a twin flame connection with another energy. Um, for some people, that's their soulmate, and, and some people are blessed, like I am, to experience and have their soulmate in this lifetime, their twin flame. Um, and other people aren't as fortunate that they've chosen, uh, you know, those two energies chose to uh, manifest on a human form at different times. You know, one has the other one's back as they go in to do what they need to do as humans in a human form. So again, guardian angels, I believe, you know, really everybody has them and, and you can pray to them anytime. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about here in, in just a minute is in all my studies uh, regarding angels is that they're always there regardless of this um, man-made or man-created list of spheres and choirs. Um, all angels are able to serve us if we pray to them, if we ask for their help. Now, again, there are more angels than there are humans, so they're literally everywhere. People that are able to uh, see or feel angels confirm this by saying that they're all around us all the time. I don't know if you all have seen the movie uh, called City of Angels from 1998, that had Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan in it, where it depicts our guardian angels literally everywhere. They are literally everywhere. Um, but again, from my studies, my understanding is, is although they are everywhere, they can't help us unless we ask for their assistance. That because of human nature and our free will, we have to ask them for their help because if not, then they will let us continue to bumble about in 
and um, because they they can't, according to rule, they can't intercede and help unless we ask because of the free will aspect, because the universe, God, whatever you want to label that, which is all um, has given us free will, created us with free will to do as we wish to do. So the angels don't know, nor does the universe know what our choices are. You know, do we need help or don't we need help? Do we need help? Is this something we need assistance with? Or is this something that we need to figure out on our own? So again, it's up to us. Again, this is coming from me personally, from my studies and beliefs that we need to ask for their assistance. If you ask, they will help. Okay, so let's explore archangels a little bit more because you hear a lot about them, no matter if you're Catholic, no matter if you're Protestant. Um, and again, in, in so many faiths, um, there are archangels. The seven archangels or seven main archangels, also known as the watchers because they tend humanity, are mythical beings found in the Abrahamic religion underlying Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. According to the De Colesti Hierarchia of Pseudo Dionysius, there's that name again, written in the 4th to 5th century CE, again, this is man written, there was a nine-level hierarchy of heavenly hosts, which we just explored, angels, archangels, principalities, powers, virtues, dominions, thrones, cherubim, and seraphim. The angels were the lowest of these, but the archangels were just above them. So seven archangels of biblical history. There are seven archangels in the ancient history of Judeo-Christian Bible. They are known as the watchers because they take care of humans. Michael and Gabriel are the only two named in the canonical Bible. The others were removed in the fourth century when the books of the Bible were configured at the Council of Rome. We'll talk about this in a little bit, a little bit more. The main legend concerning the archangels is known as the myth of the fallen angels. So some background on archangels. There are only two archangels named in the canonical Bible used by Catholics and Protestants alike, as well as in the Quran. Michael and Gabriel are also in the are in the Quran. But originally there were seven discussed in the apocryphal Qumran text called the Book of Enoch. This is also known as a Gnostic text, uh, which has been literally outlawed uh, by Catholics. The other five have various names, but are most often called Raphael, Uriel, Regul, Zerachiel, or Ezekiel, and Remiel. The archangels are part of the myth of the fallen angels, an ancient story far older than the New Testament of Christ. Even though Enoch is thought to have been first collected by 300 BCE, the stories originate from the Bronze Age First Temple period in the 10th century BCE, when King Solomon's temple was built in Jerusalem. Similar tales are found in ancient Greek, Hurrian, Hellenistic, or excuse me, and Hellenistic Egypt. The names of the angels are borrowed from Babylonian civilization of Mesopotamia. Excuse me, Mesopotamia. <laughs> okay, so now we get into the fallen angels and the origins of evil. 
In contrast to the Jewish myth about Adam, the myth of the fallen angels suggests that the humans in the Garden of Eden were not entirely responsible for the presence of evil on earth. Fallen angels were. The fallen angels, including Simahaza and Aziel, and also known as the Nephilim, came to earth, took human wives, and had children who turned out to be violent giants. Worst of all, they taught Enoch's family heaven's secrets, particularly precious metals and metallurgy. The resulting bloodshed, says the fallen angel tale, caused an outcry from the earth loud enough to reach the gates of heaven, which the arch archangels reported to God. Enoch went to heaven in a fiery chariot to intercede, but he was blocked by the heavenly host. Eventually, Enoch was transformed into an angel, the Metatron, for his efforts. God then commissioned the archangels to intervene by warning Adam's descendant Noah, imprisoning the guilty angels, destroying their offspring, and purifying the earth which the angels had polluted. Anthropologists note that as the Cain, the farmer, and Abel, the shepherd story could reflect societal anxieties arising from competing food technologies, so the fallen angels myth might reflect those between farmers and metallurgists. So what it's saying here is that possibly the story of the angels, the fallen angels and the battle between the angels was actually a battle between uh, farmers and metallurgists. So, you know, the time of going to the Bronze Age where metal and uh, metal work uh, started to come into play and thus farmers felt threatened by that so they you know of course as this article was you know kind of leading you to believe is that it's possible that the fallen angel stories were created by these people and we have to remember that all of these stories all of these things that we study and read whether biblical uh, canonical, canonical, or also through the Gnostics are from people. You know, now we believe the Bible to be as it is, as a holy um, object, you know, from the divine directly communicated through people, and we don't believe it to be fallible at all. But we also have to go back, and you know, I keep pointing back to. Uh, Father Mike's podcast, again, I'll have links in the show notes, as I seem to always do now. Uh, but Father Mike Cantor covers this very, very well uh, in the first season, season of his show, Logic in the Bible. He gets into great detail about, you know, what the Bible was and what the Bible is today. It's not the same. There have been so many councils and so many humans that have put their hands in and decided for themselves on our behalfs of what should be in the actual Bible we have today and what shouldn't be. So a lot of uh, books have been left out of the Bible. Now, you can take, just for example today, go pick up a Catholic Bible and pick up a Protestant Bible, which is known as Pretty much the Protestant Bibles, when you say like King James Version, 
most people that that is the the Bible is the Protestant what is known as the Protestant Bible. But if you compare the Protestant Bible and the Catholic Bible, there's a huge difference. So in your Catholic Bible, you have 46 books in your Protestant Bible, which is the most commonly known Bible. There are only 39 books in that Bible. So it's smaller. There's books missing from it. And how did this happen? Well, when the church did a reform and the Protestants started, they went through the Catholic Bible and said, you know, we don't need these books. We don't need this book. We don't need this book. And they tossed them out. And that's not against anything against Protestants, because Catholics did the same thing in all of their councils leading up. You know, there were a lot more books. Um, any one of you who are interested in studying the mystics uh, should look into the Gnostic Gospels. Because there is a lot there that is not in your regular Bible that can really turn your head. It can really give you a lot of food. I almost say a buffet of food, an endless buffet of food for thought. Um, there is a lot there. And I'm not saying this to try to um, discourage anybody from their faith. I would never do that. I'm here to help you and strengthen you and encourage your faith. But I'm also here to educate you as well, because if you don't know about this, then you would you can't make the educated decision on if it's something you want to look into or something that you don't. If you're happy with your faith as is, by all means, continue to embrace and thrive and grow in your faith and, and do what you're doing. You know, if it's working for you, hey, that's awesome. That's great. And I greatly applaud you and I encourage you to continue on that. But if you're one of those that are still searching and your faith is not giving you what you're needing or it's not helping you to the fullest extent. Um, first, I would recommend that if you are attending church, that you schedule a meeting with your pastor or a priest um, or a reverend, you know, meet with them and discuss this and, and give them the opportunity to help you. But if they start pointing fingers at you and saying this is you're being heretical, that you're not doing what the church is commanding and telling you what to do, uh, you know, say they start pointing at or say they direct you to the catechism and say, well, in the catechism, it says this or the catechism it says that. And and you need to start studying the catechism. Again, this is completely up to you. I, I can't make that decision for you. Yes, if you are Roman Catholic, you should know your catechism. You should really sit down and I'm not saying read it. I'm saying study it. You need to really sit down and study that catechism. Why? Because it is the cornerstone and heart of your faith. Um, you may think it's the Bible, but it's actually the catechism. Because the Catechism is the book of rules and laws of the Roman Catholic faith. And it's very important that you know those because if you don't, then, you know, it, you're, you're not getting the, the most out of your faith. But anyway, say you already know your faith. You know the Catechism forward and backward, or at least, you know, at a moderate level. And they're pointing at you and saying you're heretical, that you need to follow the catechism. The catechism says this, you know, iron fist on the table, slam, slam. Then, you know, be polite, be professional, be as Jesus. What, how would Jesus handle that? Jesus would thank them for their time, bow out, and then start doing your own research. Start looking into the Gnostic uh, Gospels, the Gnostic 
Gnostic books. And we'll have shows here coming up, um, you know, sometime down the pike on the Gnostic Gospels because it's really neat. It's really interesting stuff. Even if you just look at it and say, you know what, that's a good fictional story, you know, and take it at that. But for others, you know, <laughs> they see the Bible as a fictional story as well as, as mythology. Uh, but anyway, um, again, just a little bit of side information there. Okay, so next we have talking about the book of Revelation and angels. It says, however, from Catholic Church, as well as the Protestant version of the Bible, a fragment of the story is left. The battle between the single fallen angel, Lucifer, and the archangel, Michael. That battle is found in the book of Revelation, but the battle takes place in heaven, not on earth. Although Lucifer battles a host of angels, only Michael is named among them. The rest of the story was removed from the canonical, canonical Bible by Pope Damasius I, who was from 366 to 384 CE, and the Council of Rome in 382 CE. So here again, we have humans dipping their hand into the Bible or the books in the Bible and removing what they want to remove. So we continue on, it says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they were defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And that's Revelation 12, 7 through 9. The archangel Michael is the first and most important of the archangel. His name means who is like God, which is a reference to the battle between the fallen angels and the archangels. Lucifer, a.k.a. Satan, wanted to be like God. Michael was his antithesis. In the Bible, Michael is the angel general and the advocate for the people of Israel, the one who appears in Daniel's vision while in the lion's den and leads God's armies with a mighty sword against Satan in the book of Revelation. He is said to be the patron saint of the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. In some occult religions, religious sects, Michael is associated with Sunday and the sun. Next, we have Gabriel. Gabriel's name is translated variously as the strength of God, hero of God, or God has shown himself mightily. He is the holy messenger of the archangel of wisdom, revelation, prophecy, and visions. In the Bible, it is Gabriel who appeared to the priest Zacharias to tell him he would have a son called John the Baptist. And he appeared to the Virgin Mary to let her know that she would be soon giving birth to Jesus Christ. He is the patron saint of the sacrament of baptism and occult sects connect Gabriel to Monday and the moon. Next, we have Raphael whose name means God heals or God's healer doesn't appear in the canonical Bible by name at all. He is considered the archangel of healing, excuse me. And as such, there may be a leftover reference to him in John five, two through four it says in the pond of Bethesda lay a great multitude of sick, of blind, of lame, of withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And an angel of the Lord descended at certain times into the pond, and the water was moved. 
And he that went down first into the pond after the motion of the water was made whole, and whatsoever infirmity he lay under. So that was from John 5, 2 through 4. Raphael is in the apocryphal book Tobit, and he is the patron of the Sacrament of Reconciliation and connected to the planet Mercury and the day Tuesday. And there are a lot of people who pray to Archangel Raphael um, when they need healing. He or it, I should say, because there's no gender there. Uh, it is amazing for healing. I know when I was in uh, hospital and getting my surgeries, a lot of people were praying to Raphael uh, for my healing. And, you know, amongst many other saints and, and angels, and I believe they all played a big part in in not only my survival, but also my healing and recovery. Okay, so we have actually four more archangels that are not mentioned in most modern versions of the Bible because the book of Enoch was judged non-canonical in the 4th century CE. Again, also according to the Council of Rome in 382 CE, this book was removed from the Bible. So up until that point, it was in the Bible. Uh, so these archangels were part of the book of Enoch and thus it was removed. So they were removed with it. Uh, one of those archangels is Uriel. Uriel's name translates to fire of God. And it is the archangel of repentance and of the damned. It was the specific watcher assigned to watch over Hades, the patron of the sacrament of confirmation in the occult literature. It is connected to Venus and the day of the week, Wednesday. So as you can see, each of these archangels, all seven, are have a specific day. And those who do angelic practices or practice, do angel practice or um, whatever you would like to term that um, practice, are definitely aware of what angel is for what day. And they do certain prayers and practices and rituals on said days for said angels. Next, we have Ragul also known as Siltil. Ragul translates to friend of God, and it is the archangel of justice and fairness and the patron of the sacrament of holy orders. It is associated with Mars and Friday in occult literature. Next, we have Zerachiel, also known as Ezekiel, also known as Serachiel, Barchiel, Serphiel, and Serial. <laughs> See, they have infinite names called God's command. Uh, Ezekiel is the archangel of God's judgment and the patron of the sacrament of matrimony. The occult literature associates this angel with Jupiter and the day of the week, Saturday. So next we have Remiel, R-E-M-I-E-L. Again, I'll have a link to this article in the show notes so you guys can check it out. So also known as Jeremiel, Jehudiel, and Jeremiel, uh, Remiel's name means thunder of God, mercy of God, or compassion of God. It is the archangel of hope and faith, or the archangel of dreams, as well as the patron saint of the sacrament of anointing of the sick, and is connected to Saturn and the day of the week, Thursday, in a cult setting. So you can see also with each one of these, they're still connected to a sacrament in the Catholic Church, even though we're not 
privy to that information unless you've studied the Book of Enoch. Now, question, do you think priests who are in charge of the church and the sacraments, do you think they're aware of these angels? And that you do you believe that they still um, ask for assistance or intercession from these angels while they do their practices, even though we're not privy to it, and even though the Book of Enoch is not in the Bible anymore? I know it's kind of an open-ended question because I mean I I can't answer the question because I'm not I'm not a practicing Roman Catholic priest but if we have any out there listening we would love to know and again no judgment at all i mean we would just love to know do you ask these angels to intercede for these sacraments or do you just do the usual you know i shouldn't say usual but do the you know connecting with jesus and connecting with god through jesus and the you know, through the Holy Spirit, um, do you do that? If you if you are a practicing Roman Catholic priest, um, I would love to know, and I'm sure our listeners would love to know as well. So please reach out to me and, and feel free to let me know. My contact information is listed at the end of every show. So those are the two articles that I wanted to share with you all um, in this show uh, on angels. I mean, of course, yes, there's infinite, infinite, infinite information on the internet and books uh i mean i even have a book that's on um, sacred sigils and um types of prayers and rituals to summon um, and ask for help from various angels and i think there's 21 angels in this book that i have never heard of before so you have to wonder you know what's the validity of these i mean i firmly believe as you know father mike Cantor says is that we're co-creators um and by that you know whatever energy we put forth can manifest into something so if you believe in something and you continue to put that belief and that energy uh into it it can manifest it can be created you can co-create um just like you know if you um which we're going to be getting to into the show next week uh, about you know the power of the mind and and how we have to be so very careful with what we put our energy into um, those of you who are familiar with any kind of paranormal studies know of poltergeist and poltergeist for the most part are you know things that are created energies that are created from humans by us you know you hear things going bump in the night things being thrown around your kitchen um, it can be sometimes associated with somebody in the family that's going through a very difficult time uh, that's very angry that may be going through abuse and they're channeling that energy out and that energy is manifesting as that you know that that thing that's causing the chaos that's causing the pots and pans to rattle it's causing things to be knocked over and you know bump in the night kind of stuff um, in other faiths they're called tulpas that you know what we can create with our mind is these you know energies i wouldn't go as far to say they're beings uh, because i do firmly believe that the energy in them um, if it's not continued to be fed will eventually dissipate and either fade or move into a different form and you know kind of neutralize so to speak but we'll get into more of that in next week's show 
Okay, so one of the most well-known prayers is the guardian angel prayer. And I would like to use that prayer as our close uh, for this show. It goes, Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. So as I noted, there's so, so much more on angels in it. For those of you who are interested in it, uh, please go check it out. You know, dig, dig in there, dive deep. There's so much. And if I can be of any help at all uh, or if any guidance, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, if it's something I don't know, I can check around and with my contacts and see what we can find out. Or if not, we can learn together. I mean, that's what this journey of life is all about, about all of us lifting each other up holding each other up, encouraging each other, strengthening each other, um, loving each other. And, you know, if we all did that, the world would be a, so much of a better place. So as always, my contact information is at the end of the show, which is coming up in just a moment. Oh, and I almost forgot before we go, make sure you tune in Wednesday, anytime after 12 a.m. Eastern time for the July edition of the Book Nook. It's got some great information, as the Book Nook always does, that you will not want to miss because if you do miss it, you'll be missing out on a lot because so much is shared in the Book Nook that's not shared during the regular shows. You get information beforehand on upcoming shows, upcoming topics, what's going on with me if you're interested in any of that, and also secrets. We got secrets that we share in the book nook that only people at the book nook get to hear. So again, that's this coming Wednesday, anytime after 12 a.m. Eastern time, be sure to tune into the book nook. I so hope and pray that you've enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you've been searching for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast and more here with us. Don't be a stranger. Come around anytime, all the time. We now have an Amazon.com wish list for the show for anyone who would like to make an offering. Um, a link can always be found in the show notes and show description. Now, I know some people like to do that. That, that helps them feel as, you know, they're contributing and doing something. And this is the best way because some people have asked me about setting up a Patreon and I'm completely against that I don't want to accept any kind of money for anything I'm doing here. Jesus didn't do it. Buddha didn't do it. I didn't do it before when I taught uh, Buddhism and Eastern philosophy for four years. Um, but I will accept books. So I do have a list uh, on that wish list for the show that you can, if you feel compelled to and you have the means, please, don't take from your grocery money or your bill money or from just life money. If you have it and you want to make an offering, then go to the wish list and do so. I would be beyond grateful and appreciative. And by purchasing books and sending them to me, what you're doing is you're helping me educate myself so I can then pass that education on to all of you. And that also sparks and creates and inspires more and more shows. So it's a gift that keeps giving that's never ending. 
I'm always open to questions and suggestions. Um, as I always say, there's, it's always like crickets in my mailbox. I don't hear much from anybody, but you know, unless it's family and there's nothing wrong with that. But I know there are so, so many of you all over the world that are listening and I completely understand and I respect your privacy and I respect that you're quiet. Um, and, but I do want you all to know that I'm here for you all the time. And uh, again, speaking of suggestions, I mean, I know there are so many amazing angels and saints, past and present, in your community, in your country. Could even be you that the world doesn't know about, but by gosh, we should know about. Um, could be some that have come and gone that are fading from memories and hearts. And we tend to you know, shine the light on a lot of those here in the show. And that's kind of one of the goals of this show is to make sure these beings stay alive because they are such amazing, truly amazing. Um, it, it's tragic for someone, anyone really, to be their memory to be lost, uh, their life to be lost. And we don't want that. So again, please, please, please feel free to contact me, share these people with me, even if it's you. Please get with me, share with me so I can share with the world. Remember, you don't have to be alone on your spiritual journey. Again, I'm always here for all of you. I'm always available to help guide, uh, offer advice. Uh, you can always email me directly or contact me through the website. My services are ever growing and expanding as the spirit takes me and as you all need and the cost of these services or all services I provide is absolutely zero. Absolutely free. I'm here for you guys. Next is prayers. Uh, you guys always hear me say this and you always will. I love to pray and so do listeners of the show. So please let us pray for you. So all of these services, how do you make it happen? by contacting me. And how can you do that? There's two ways you can do that. First, you can email me directly at faithandmorepodcast, all one word, faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. And the second way is through the website. There's a contact button on the website where you can email me or you can fill out the prayer request form at the bottom of the webpage. You can also use that form for also asking for help, for guidance, for suggestions, for advice. Use that as well. It's a, it's a catch-all form. Use it as you need it. So in order to find the website, you go to Faith and More Podcast. Again, all one word, faithandmorepodcast.wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com slash my dash site, S-I-T-E. And there's always links to my contact information, email, and the website in all of our show notes and show descriptions. So, until next week, have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you is in my heart and prayers. Bless you. <laughs>